0: Thank you for visiting our website. I have my Bible open to the book of Acts chapter 26. If you have your Bible there, it will be helpful if you will open to the same place. Acts chapter 26. There came a time in the life of the Apostle Paul when his persecutors enjoyed a temporary perceived victory they were able to use the system to bring Paul before King Agrippa. Standing before Agrippa and Festus, the apostle plainly and personally stated that he was living as one should live, obedient to God, and that he was preaching to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance he said for these reasons the jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me i'm going to begin the reading now in acts 26 with verse 22 paul said acts 26:22 to this day i have had the help that comes from god and so i stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, Do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who are here this day might become such as I am, except for these chains." Then the king rose and the governor and Bernice and those who were sitting with them, and when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, this man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, this man should have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. I want to highlight one thing from this text. What did Agrippa need? It is likely the king didn't think he really needed anything spiritual in nature. He probably enjoyed financial means higher than the average citizen. He had position. He had power. We can imagine many forms of pleasure were available at his command. What did the king need most? We can deduce what Agrippa needed most— he had given little thought to. He needed the Savior. This need prompted Paul to say to the king, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today, might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. Do you realize what the poorest man on earth needs is exactly the same as what the richest man needs. What the slave needs, the master needs. What the uneducated need, the scholar needs as well. A savior. Why is this? Let's make it personal. Why do you need Jesus Christ? During this time of year, it is customary or traditional to think a lot about Jesus Christ, to speak his name over our holiday rituals, to sing of his birth. I would never discourage anyone from any authentic interest in Jesus Christ or any praise sincerely directed to him and to the Father and the Holy Spirit. But one good question about all this needs our attention. Why do I need Jesus Christ? Why do you need Jesus Christ? Let's consider some answers given in Scripture. I need Jesus Christ, and you need Jesus Christ because of our past. In the past, we have sinned. In this respect, we share something in common with Paul, with Agrippa, with Festus, and with every person present when Paul gave that defense. We have sinned. In various ways, in thought, in deed, in neglect of duty to men and to God, we need a Savior. Learning of your sin is as simple as turning on a light if the light is the Word of God. Jesus spoke these words, And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. With the entrance of light, two things happen. One, men are determined to practice evil, hide, they love darkness rather than light. Two, Those who want to know their true condition allow the light of truth to bring to their attention their sins, their lost condition. Romans 7 and verse 7, Paul said, I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said you shall not covet. The light of God's word informed Paul of his sin. Learning of our sin is as simple as turning on a light if that light is the Word of God, and we use it to direct it toward ourselves, to examine ourselves, to see our shame, our neglect, our disobedience, and that drives us to this question, why we need Jesus Christ. Why do we need Jesus Christ? The same reason Agrippa needed him, the sin in our past. We are justified in saying, selfishness is the common essential element in every sin. The essential element of righteousness is the choice of God over self. But in sin, there is this common element of self. Sin is essentially an expression of what we commonly call the ego, putting self in God's place self sufficiency instead of trust in God, self will instead of submission, self seeking instead of generosity, self righteousness instead of humility and reverence. Sin is the assertion of self. As Isaiah said in Isaiah fifty three six, all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way. We need a Savior because of our past sin to forgive us and show us the way out of self and into the noble calling of obeying God. In the second place, we need a Savior because of our present. In the past, as sinners, we lived in a personal environment where we tried to guide ourselves. And the result of that self-guidance was being lost. Once by grace you come out of that environment, your new environment must be a life of submission to God's will, obedience, holiness. We need a Savior because of our present. Presently we need guidance. We have to use the Bible to learn how to live right in the present. Let me be more specific. We need to learn how to think how to speak, how to act, how to deal with people properly, how to have a good marriage, good family, how to serve God, how to be a participant as a member of a local church, how to endure suffering, how to embrace hope. Once you let the Word of God expose your sin and you obey the gospel to come out of sin, then what? You have received the gift of salvation, the remission of your past sins, but... Now what? There are six passages I'm going to bring up that address life after baptism, your present need. I'm going to go through these quickly. Six passages that address life after baptism. Matthew 28, 20, observing all things commanded by Christ. Acts two forty-two, continuing steadfastly, in the apostles doctrine Acts eleven twenty three, with purpose of heart we should continue with the Lord. Romans six and verse four, walk in newness of life. Philippians one twenty seven, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Colossians three seventeen, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we need a Savior for our present guidance, so that we can walk worthy of the calling with which we've been called and engage in those things God has said are eternally beneficial. Then, we need Jesus Christ because of our future. In Hebrews nine twenty-seven and 28, listen, please. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. Whatever we may know about King Agrippa, we know one thing without any doubt. He died. Reliable historical accounts give the date of about 100 A.D., In this way, King Agrippa was no different from anyone. Death is our common end of life on earth. And then it says in that passage in Hebrews 9, and after this, the judgment. Death and judgment. We need a Savior because of the future. We are reminded of all this all the time in many ways, especially this year. In every newspaper and obituary column, cemeteries, funeral processions, people we know, many this year, who get sick and die. Sometimes people call this world the land of the living. It is really the land of the dying. Just a few more toils and tears and our journey will be over, one song says. A few more pleasant occasions with good people, a few more days to work, Most of us will get sick and die. That's why we need the Savior. Thank God we don't have to die like an infidel. Thank God you have friends and family who urge you to do what is right. Thank God you can read your Bible every day to prepare for death. Thank God you have time to repent and make things right with people and with God. You don't have to die lost. In the future, there is the judgment. At the judgment, some will rejoice as they hear the Lord say, here is your reward, enter into the joys of thy Lord. Others will mourn as they realize they are doomed forever because they left Jesus out of their lives. People will go to eternal destruction, banished from the presence of God for one basic reason. They rejected Jesus Christ. Eternity lies in the future. As another poet said, can you count the stars of the heavens? Can you count the grains beside the seas? Can you count the drops of water in the ocean? If you can, you are not even beginning to count the years of eternity. Your most precious possession is your eternal soul, You will live on beyond death somewhere because of the past, because of the present, because of the future. I need Jesus Christ. You need Jesus Christ, the Savior. Christianity isn't just the study of Jesus Christ. It isn't just mentioning him once or twice during the year at a holiday. It isn't just contending for the truth. It isn't just being interested in the Bible. It isn't just going to a building. It is the devotion of your heart and life to Jesus Christ, the Savior, seeking forgiveness and guidance, surrendering to him to experience the nobility of obedience to God, changing your environment from sin to holiness, continuing steadfastly, in the Apostles' Doctrine without Compromise. Will you follow him? If we can help you in your personal response to Jesus Christ before, during, or after any holiday, please get in touch with us. We are the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. Thank you.